Hey, Che, it's Brian again. I know I sent you a few messages already on kind of imagining worlds first and your episode, I think it was six of this season. But one thing I just thought of again on an evening walk with the pups is to ask you what worlds you think are well done or well developed that make you excited to play in them. And I, do you hear that? Why are you howling? This is the this is the content nobody wants. You're howling. He's howling because my wife is out at an event for work, and the pup is howling. I'm standing right here. You know when you howl, I'm literally standing right here. Hurts my feelings. Anyway, sorry about that, Shay. Uh, you can cut all this out. See, this is the content no one wants uh, when they're a patron of Roleplay Rescue. So uh, just for you and me. Anyway, um, I, I guess the question I would ask is, is worth discussing what are some of the settings in RPGs published settings that you think are either well done or that would excite you. And the reason I ask this, because I know you've been keen on developing your worlds and we're playing in one, which I think is great. But if you are with a group, um, even if you like to create your own setting, there are some times when you're getting together where it, it may be a little bit easier to just propose a world Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Che's gonna bring me back. Give me a plus one to attack. Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice. Oh, 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 I think I need some good advice. I need a role play rescue. Oh, yeah. I need a role play rescue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's Brian again on the uh, Imagining World's First question. I had left a message that got interrupted with some additional content. But specifically, Che, I would, I would ask you if you have a chance, and maybe even during some of the journals when you're wandering, what you think of are some of the role-playing games that have really good settings or, or which settings in role-playing games. So, I mean, you could take some of the big ones, Dungeons & Dragons, RuneQuest, have some pretty well-defined settings. Are, are there some of those that you like, uh, don't like, or, or you think are better than others? Um, I know you've talked about Traveler. So some of this may be repeating, but I, I'm looking at it more from a context of a setting maybe even apart from a rule set that you think would be really interesting to play or that players may be interesting to play uh, that you could use as a, as a starting point. So again, assuming you're not going to homebrew, uh, but, and I am, I can come up with some examples of my own, but I'm, I'm interested to, to start this off at a discussion. I guess the, the one example that I would say, which is not here yet that I, I obviously that you and maybe a few others know, I love DCC. So I'm excited for it. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have predefined settings, uh, except now they've been coming out with some box sets. So the Dying Earth campaign setting is one I'm excited about, more for the world, not really any specific adventure. Anyway, cheers. Great question, and it's going to fuel its own episode. Thank you, Brian, from I'll Have to Look That Up, for calling this in. Absolutely top stuff. Here's the short answer. There are many, many worlds that I would love to explore and play in, but your question specifies worlds that are well done and that list is well for me much shorter i've thought about it a great deal so in this episode i'm going to suggest 
three worlds or settings that I consider to be well done. Along the way, I'll try and mention a few very good worlds that I enjoy. But all of that said, I and to keep things sane, I'm, I'm going to begin by focusing on fantasy worlds. If you want my thoughts about modern era or science fiction worlds, let me know and I'll do a follow-up episode. We begin with this. If I could sit down and run any pre-designed fantasy world and wanted to choose one that was well done, there are three worlds I could select from. Tolos, Glorantha and Han. This is Season 11, Episode 13, Choosing Fantasy Worlds. I want to say a few things up front. I've been gaming since the late 1970s and back in the day we played most games in pre-designed worlds. The longest running one was Rollmaster's version of Middle-earth. But there is a very big difference between a world that is merely a setting for adventure and a world that is well designed to offer you something more. My tastes run to deep verisimilitude and simulationism. I enjoy deeply rendered characters, fairly detailed rules, and a world worthy of exploration, with lots of detail. Where the regular kind of fantasy game, perhaps powered by some edition of D&D, focuses on the action of the characters and uses the world as a backdrop, my desire is to present a deeply immersive sense of place within which player characters can pursue whatever goals they want. Thus, the world for me needs to be a sandbox within which the players can do whatever it is they want to do. While I have a strong sense of narrative, my approach is to create situations and not plots. I want an open world environment. For that reason, the three worlds I want to talk about, Tolos, Glorantha and Han offer what is in my view the necessary depth to satisfy gaming for the long haul as well as enough detail to make the GM's job interesting and worth the investment of time needed to immerse oneself in those worlds and all their products. In other words if I'm not going to make my own world then what I use has to be suitably accessible and different to make the effort of learning worthwhile. That said, I feel there are many worlds which provide perhaps the most useful tool for any GM's imagination, that being a wonderfully rendered world map. I have hundreds of them. But if you don't mind the effort needed to bring the world to life, great examples of maps and materials that inspire me would include three classics from the D&D canon, Kryn, Greyhawk and Mistara. And sure, I'd love to play in Middle-earth, but honestly... I'm not sure there's a really well done set of comprehensive world materials out there. While I do like the One Ring game stuff, it really doesn't feel like there's enough depth to bring it to life the way I would want to present things, or at least not yet. I'd need to research Tolkien's works far more deeply than I have time for right now. For me, well done worlds, ready to play, they're hard to find. Anyway, let's dive in. Tolos is on my list as a pretty recent entry. I never played the 3rd edition D&D version of Tolos because I didn't know about it. By the time I did hear about Tolos, it was pretty much out of print and folk who owned it didn't want to part with their copy. When Monty Cook Games ran the kickstart to republish it for the 5th edition and Cypher system, I backed it out of curiosity and I've not been disappointed. 
The first thing to say is that it's a high fantasy, high powered world. It's not my preferred subgenre of fantasy. Tolos is a single large city, an urban and dungeon adventuring sandbox with a pseudo medieval veneer over what is pretty much a postmodern gaming style. There are multiple species in a cosmopolitan modern feeling city with some pretty epic plot lines published to support it. And if I ran this campaign, I would steal all the Tolos advice and tweaks published by the Alexandrian and I would run it with the cipher system. So why would I recommend it? The short answer is because it is so well done. The book is massive and jammed with lore, buckets of interesting people, places, factions and situations. It's also very clearly referenced and written with a GM in mind. While the tome itself is probably a bit impractical for the table, you can easily find what you need due to the innovative internal referring system that Monty Cook Games has become well known for using with the Cypher System games as well. Tolos has a lovely map, loads of great locations to explore, and a comprehensive set of lore to dig into and enjoy. You can start with familiar dungeon delves into the many locations hidden beneath the surface of the city streets, slowly drawing the player characters into the factional politics and intrigue going on across the city. It's a world ripe for urban fantasy adventure and will keep any group quiet for dozens and dozens of sessions. As a city, you can easily drop it into any wider world context should you so desire, but to be honest, it is a pretty self-enclosed setting. For me, it's a well-done example of what can be achieved with the regular kind of fantasy simply by twisting a few of the genre tropes and digging deeper into the consequences of many of the default assumptions. You've got a 5th edition version available which shows you how to take your D&D game and make it slightly different but still very accessible for the less-than-adventurous D&D 5th edition fan. It's a solid pick go check out Tolos. The PDFs are really great for referencing too, and it would be the most straightforward of my three choices to get players to try and to get yourself ready to run. Glorantha is the world that first entranced me and won my heart. As a role-playing game, RuneQuest was the first game that introduced me to a fantasy world which actually intrigued me. Unfortunately, I've never been able to find both a group who wanted to play it and be able to keep myself confident enough, strong enough to run it. Gloranthon lore is extensive and many-layered. It's the mythologist's fantasy and rich with spiritual, cultural and highly rendered mythological details. If you begin prepping this world, you need to learn from my mistakes. Don't try and learn it all at once. Pick a small starting location and work your way into the many tomes of lore at your own pace. And never forget the mantra, your Glorantha will vary. The best way into Glorantha would be to buy the RuneQuest Glorantha starter set. This gives you a well-defined area of the world to explore, a bunch of pre-generated characters, delicious maps and all the rules you need to play. I wish it had been out when I started to run Glorantha using the core rulebook simply because it would help me to limit my own expectations. The biggest challenge in running someone else's world is reading, learning and internalising the lore. Glorantha has too much lore for anyone to assimilate in anything like a reasonable amount of lifetime. You have to start small, you have to go slow and you have to play in the world. It's not enough to read the books. Glorantha is a living world that demands play. 
and you will not understand the complex spiritual and cultural differences between Glorantha and every other fantasy world out there until you begin to play. The challenge is real, but beyond worthwhile. Every game I have played or run has been amazing to experience, deep and meaningful role-playing through and through. But it's going to be something you need to commit to. Grantha is not a one-shot adventure kind of world. It's somewhere you need to go and live in for a while. You will not be disappointed. For me, this is the only world that takes magic and spirit worship seriously. It's the only world, aside from Tolkien, that takes myth seriously and delivers you into a truly wonderful and legendary experience. And it's the only world in which you can play some truly outrageously powerful heroes who will literally shake the world to its foundations. Plus, dragon is a freaking cool. The only hesitation is that you will need a set of rules that can handle the nature of Glorantha with the right tone. Honestly, you're probably best off just using RuneQuest Glorantha and allowing yourself to enter the world through those rules designed expressly to bring it to life. Given my preference for a grounded fantasy world, the first choice on my list of well-done worlds is undoubtedly Han. This is a world designed to be truly system neutral. It has been around since, I think, about 1983, and Columbia Games, the publisher, adds to it three or four times a year. Han is an island with a broadly feudal medieval society broken across several fantasy kingdoms. It's highly realistic, drawing on real-world feudalism to provide a high degree of verisimilitude. Two features stand out to make it very customisable. Firstly, the default is a low-powered fantasy game with magic and divine wonders included, but loosely defined. Secondly, the timeline is deep and rich, but all products end in a given year, allowing you to take the world forward in your own way without fear of future publications messing with your own established canon. The reason I love Han is simple. The maps and the detailed places. The world is presented in individual modules, including a basic overview of the whole setting, moving down into kingdom-level modules and then down onto cities, castles, towns and even some villages. Many places of interest also have their own modules. You can also grab modules on the magical organisations, divine orders and other factions from the world. This allows you to have access to a vast and rich backdrop of adventure, a truly huge sandbox, millions of words in scope, but just start in one place. Choose a starting location and let the players explore from there. You can run Han with any game system and it will adapt easily. If you like high-powered regular D&D, there's a 5th edition module you can reference, and off you go. But even so, the world can be populated by the super-powered heroes D&D players love, and you can just sprinkle in the monsters and treasure you prefer, and it really doesn't affect the baseline of the world all that much. If, on the other hand, you're like me, and you prefer to lean into the lower-powered medieval fantasy that is the Devolt, then Han doesn't need to be stripped down. It's easy to add in any fantastic element that you want, but the baseline is realistic and even more historical in flavour. Thus, Han is very customisable. What I love are the maps. Detailed atlas maps, down to detailed town maps, even down to presenting key buildings and their interiors, all of them keyed for exploration. 
Every location has key NPCs detailed, including some nice pencil sketches of their faces, and it's not just the nobility or big faction leaders who get treated in detail. Some modules give you NPCs who are simple craftsmen with interesting situations. All the published PDFs include a ton of adventure hooks and juicy ideas for players to explore. The downside? It's vast, and although most of the downloads are around, I don't know, 15 bucks for a chunky 30 or more pages of lore, it does add up if you get collecting. That said, you can just buy the bits you need, and you only need one single place to get started in the world. Unlike most big glitzy hardback setting books, Han breaks the material into chunks that allow you to mix and match. And the big map, the map of the whole island, and the poetic map, well, that's pretty much free to access. For me, even if you don't like Han overall as a world, you could also do worse than buy some of the castles and towns just to drop into your homebrew world. The detailed maps and useful keys will give you hours of material to play with. But if you use it as designed, you get a deeply rendered and rich world that will reward the investment of time to read and digest it. This is the world I feel drawn to running next, because given my recent change in job and the direction of travel I'm moving in with my gaming style, Han offers me the deeply immersive potential from which to build a dark and low fantasy experience for my players. So that's my core answer to Brian's question. Tolos for high fantasy D&D style modern action adventure, although personally I'd play it with the Cypher system. Glorantha via RuneQuest Glorantha for high powered but deeply magical and mythical role playing. And Han for the lower powered but highly customizable medieval fantasy that is completely system neutral. Other worlds that I truly would love to explore include the D&D realms of Kryn, aka Dragonlance, Greyhawk, mostly because it's so familiar, and Mistara, because I love the maps and booklets all now available on the DM's Guild from the heyday of basic expert Dungeons & Dragons. From outside of D&D, please check out the Mythic range from the Design Mechanism, which is all written for Mithras, but includes Mythic Britain, Mythic Rome, Mythic Constantinople, and Mythic Babylon. These all take a historical setting and mix it up with magic as, as if it were real. Very well done stuff that just needs extrapolation for the GM. And I also think that Thenla, the Mithras Bronze Age fantasy world from the design mechanism, that's pretty good to check out while you're there. I suppose I should mention the map from the Forbidden Lands by Freya Legan because I think it's beautiful. You should probably check out the Palladium Fantasy World if you fancy something a little more mainstream from the 1980s, even if it does have its gonzo moments. And of course, there's always the settlement of Anminster that I wrote for Mithras Classic Fantasy, which is a neat little intro to my own realm of Mistermere in the world of Greymere. Anyway, I hope that answers the question. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. As you know, I love to hear from you, so if you've got a question or comment, then please hop over to speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue, where you can leave a 90-second message. Here's a few messages about recent episodes from listeners, well, pretty much all across the globe. Hi, Che. Simon Williams here. I've just been listening to your episode Choosing Hard and GM Journal 150, and yeah, it really got me thinking about GURPS, and I actually have the the old third edition of the basic set on my shelf from years back, but I'd never really looked at it. I hadn't played it. Um, 
but I had a flick through, had a little read of a, a few sections and yeah, there's some real gold in there. And whilst I don't think I've got time to learn a new system, I did think that there's things in there that I might take and adapt and, and use in my existing games. And, and I think that sort of leads me on to what you said in GM Journal 150. And I really appreciated the shout out, by the way. And I'm really glad that you enjoyed that poison scene. Um, um, I do think it's important to you know, adapt, change rules, do your own thing to make it the game that you, the game that you play. And, and I'm totally okay with magpieing stuff from other systems and putting it into my games you know, if it works and making it the game that I want to play. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'll definitely kind of look at GURPS and some of the stuff in there and and, and use it potentially. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I wanted to say, really. And loving the show. Um, keep up the great work. And, yeah, hopefully speak to you soon. Bye. Great to hear from you, Simon. And, and although it's a little bit of a shame that the message got a bit kind of rough there towards the end, but I really appreciated the sentiment. And, man, your Legend of the Bones podcast is truly a really amazing thing and anybody listening to this if you haven't listened through at least the first eight episodes it is well worth your time and episode eight man kind of broke my heart actually the scenes in there um are some really powerful stuff i just really appreciated it so thanks for calling in i'm glad that maybe you're looking at GURPS even if it's not the game you're going to run like you said there are so many good ideas in there that you can kind of pinch and use and of course having just talked about the worlds that I want to run you know which game I'm going to want to run Han with don't you game on man Hi, Jay. Just a quick message here from Barry. Um, just to say that I really enjoyed your episodes and, in fact, your blog post on Tiny Prep and uh, not much to say other than the fact I'm going to pinch it. Uh, so I'm going to try and see if I can find a point in the day to basically use it to try and get some more kind of prep done and more sort of planning for future campaigns, I think, more than the ones I'm running at the moment. But I got lots of ideas about campaign ideas, but I never seem to have time to write them down. So I'm going to try and either through a digital medium or the notepad I've got, kind of make some time to maybe make some notes each day a little bit on something each day to try and get a bit more of that stuff kind of prepared. So in the future, if I use it, it's there. So yeah, thanks thanks for sharing those tips. And yeah, just to let you know that they've been useful. I'm actually going to do something about it. So there you go. There's something impressive. Anyway, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Hey, Jay, Jason here. Just listened to episode 1111. Really enjoyed it. Hopefully that tiny prep will work for some people. You know, I love that you find thing, helpful things like this, techniques and tips, and share them with your listeners. Very, very cool. Keep up the great work. Hey, Jay. Just finished listening to your uh, time prep episode on the uh, early access feed. That's right, folks. You, too, can hear these podcasts early if you subscribe to Jay Webster's Patreon. Okay? So do it. Get out there. Become a Patreon. All right? Anyway, Jay, just want to say, excellent episode. Uh, really, uh, really interesting. I'm glad to hear how you go about doing your tiny prep because I was genuinely curious. So, thank you very much. Game on. Until next time. Take it easy, brother. Thanks to all three callers there talking about tiny prep. I'm glad that was useful. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, kind of bubbled up and out of me from quite a few months now of experimentation. So I'm glad that, Barry, you're going to give it a go. And uh, Jason and Jason Weeb, I really appreciated the feedback. It's really cool. And uh, Jason, um, thanks for the sales pitch, man, as well. That was, uh, that was kind of cool. Game on. And, uh, well, speak to you in a bit.
Big thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks to Brian from I'll Have to Look That Up for the calls that inspired this episode. Thanks also to Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Jason Weeb, and Simon from Legend of the Bones, oh, and Barry from Shadow of the GM. Thanks, guys, for all the call-ins today. Thanks also to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash RPG Rescue and to John from Tale of the Manticore another fantastic podcast for the show music my name is Che Webster this is Roleplay Rescue game on